on the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are following Rob Lowe to his new job as a police chief in Boston, Lincolnshire, thanks to ITV's Wild Bill, getting creeped out by Patricia Arquette's overbearing parenting in the act, and breaking literary shackles for the TV-exclusive follow-up to last year's Big Little Lies. Now, with added streep. All this and so much more on a podcast that much like Netflix themselves, has willfully forgotten the fact that season three of Jessica Jones is also out this week. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, your TV series conciliary, turning away lesser shows so that only the very best in small screen entertainment is admitted to your inner sanctum. Joining me in this sacred duty are... Let's be honest, Terry and Boyd. Um, sure, yeah, you know, I could dress this up, I could draw it out, but it's almost never anyone but Terry and Boyd, so why beat around the bush? How are you both? Boyd, how was your recent holiday? It was great, thanks. Um, part of the fact that I had my phone stolen from my actual pocket by yeah. someone. And it was in, in a themed bar, is that right? In a Manchester themed bar. I'm, I'm gonna, it's got a bar called Manchester, I mean... Been there, right? It's great. Well, you, in theory, w- was yes, it Terry, part but of in fact you get your phones installed? But was that part of the authentic Manchester experience? Oh, steady. Am on. I going to get in trouble for that? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> bloody hell! Bloody Do you know what? Fire. I made a vow to myself. Some people have pointed out that I'm, I'm give James a bit of a hard time. So I thought, Do you know what? I'm going to go out of my way to be nice to James today. Fucking two <laughs> minutes in, and he's slagging off the north by yeah. making out like it's yeah. robbing capital of Europe. Yep. So uh, that's not my vow. It will not last. All right, fair enough. How are you, Terry? How have you been? Uh, Would you like to tell us about your lunch? I had a king-size beef and tomato pot noodle, and I had two cream eclairs. And and did you do anything special to the pot noodle? Did I do anything? I added loads of soy sauce and tomato sauce, because anybody worth their salt knows that the pot noodle needs a little bit of flavour assistance. To, to be specific, you squeezed half a bottle of ketchup into your tot noodle. Maybe not half a bottle. It looked like half a bottle. Half, not N- half As a someone bottle. on Twitter pointed out, any self-respecting northerner would, of course, have squeezed brown sauce into their pot noodle. So really, you've just, you're just too southern now for your own good. You've become southern. The north has been washed off. Is this your own version of the sausage sandwich game? Where you have brown sauce, red sauce, or no sauce at all? Do you know the sausage sandwich game? Are we allowed to talk what? about that now? Since, well, his, since gonna, his fall from grace. I'm not even going to say Whose game is that? Danny Baker's, Danny Baker's game. game. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was every single yeah for years where you yeah. it, you ask someone if they had a sausage sandwich, would you have it with red sauce? Nose, that's blue, a shit game because the answer to everything, not just sausage sandwiches, is always brown sauce. Well, clearly not in the case of oh, the hot noodle. Such a southerner. <laughs> what? Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. I, are you going to be exceptionally posh and southern during this podcast? I can't rule it out. Oh. You can't rule it out. I can't, can't rule. Rule. I can't rule it out. Rules. Uh, speaking of rules, what have you been? watching uh black mirror well no actually before i get into black mirror and my uh uh confused thoughts um i want to talk about the final episode of the virtues um it was episode four this week and it was absolutely one of the finest single episodes of british television i think ever this started out really strong. Virtues, four-parter, first two were brilliant. Um, I watched them um, before it started because I was actually hosting a BAFTA Q&A with um, uh, Shane in the cast. 
But I've watched the others as it's gone out on TV because I really loved having something to tune into every Wednesday. But let me tell you, between that and years and years, I've been completely wrung out. Anybody who also watched episode four of years and years will understand why this week was especially emotional for me. But the virtues, I mean, there were some single shots in the last third of that episode, which were just pure... I mean, art, incredible. Stephen Graham, Helen B. I mean, they just acted out of their skins. Phenomenal, exceptional telly, exceptional telly. I just can't, I I'm, don't even have the words, really, clearly, for just how amazing yeah, it's true. It's clearly episode you don't have, four. Yeah, your gesticulations are saying it all. <laughs> you didn't watch it in Barcelona then, Boyd? I didn't watch. It. I haven't watched it yet. No, and I watched. I watched episode three. Um, I also like Tara went live to watching it live after watching the first two, which was on months and months and months ago. And yep. I can't wait to watch the finale. I did watch your other. My, I was going to say years and years. Oh. Yes, it was a huge week. Oh. And I mentioned how episode four was the one. And spoiler alert. This is a big. If you're going to, I don't know if you can. That is a. I've been really careful on social. That is a huge spoiler. I know, but like step in front of Boyd the spoiler twat. I've seen people like after I got my phone. I don't know it. Responsible people. All right. Well, clearly like cast members and stuff. Okay, I'm not going to say. I I don't think we should. I'm not going to. Okay, fine, fine, fine. But it's 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 fair to say that there is a a big shock in episode four. A very emotional. Effing shock. It's incredible. I mean. I watched them on consecutive nights and I was like, we talk a lot. This whole, this fucking pilot TV exists because we are in an exceptional time for television. But my God, never has it been proven like it was this week. Like those things going out on consecutive channels. And let's make the point that, you know, we talk a lot about Netflix, but these went out on main terrestrial British TV channels remarkable James did you watch either of these things are we watching The Shield again <laughs> I think we all know the answer to that question Sons of Anarchy rewatch episode you, you say that but it's got to the point now where almost every single major member of The Shield cast has now appeared in Sons of Anarchy CCH Pounder has just turned up so uh, yeah it's, oh my God. It's, it's come you, full circle I mean I was actually taking the piss yeah so, you, but you, you've been fully, serious yeah, I mean serious. are you watching either of the things we were just talking about <laughs> Uh, oh well, what I did watch this week, Ooh. what I did watch this week, which I took the time to watch, was the Deadwood movie. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can we take a minute to talk about how amazing Deadwood is? Because it's been a long time since Deadwood came off the air, and I honestly had, A, forgotten how good it was, but what makes it so brilliant. And the thing that hit home to me is, like, I started watching the movie, and we got a couple of minutes in, and I was like, I don't know what anyone is saying. <laughs> I'm not following, like, because it took me a while to get back into the patois, like the speech patterns of the characters in Deadwood are like nothing else on television. Uh, yeah. And it's almost like listening to Shakespeare in iambic pentameter. Like, it's... It, you kind of get the gist, but it's quite hard to, what to penetrate. What is happening? What? I am big pentameter. What is going on? You've never sounded more northern than you did just then. <laughs> um, no, you never sounded more pretentious. Than no, that. I, absolutely. I, mean, I, I enjoyed it. Oh, God, you're such a bellend. <laughs> I really, I really didn't want to call you a bellend this episode. What's pretentious oh. about I am big pentameter? Oh, the batois. The batois. You got the blood, 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 blood. Big Pentameter to Shakespeare. Oh God, kill me. Anyway, anyway, yeah. As I was so saying, Deadwood in, uh... is amazing, and the use of language in it is extraordinary. Superlative, if you will. Sorry. Superlative. Uh, yeah, you know, it's so 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 good, and I really enjoyed the film, and I like the fact that 
it was exactly what you want Deadwood to be and exactly what Deadwood should be, which is not, it wasn't like, oh, they have to deal with this particular issue and it's all resolved. Like, it was exactly what Deadwood is, which is a show about, in some ways, nothing. Like, Deadwood, which I guess it shares a lot of DNA with Mad Men in that regard, that it's a period piece. It is about a slice of time, an era, and a location, and a bunch of people, and it's just sections of their lives. And yes, of course, things happen, mm. but it's not about, oh, what's the big mystery or whatnot. It, you know, it's about being with them and spending time with them and enjoying them. And it's so fucking good. Uh, and Ian Shane in particular, as Al Swearingen, is amazing. You're still rolling yours. Have you ever watched Deadwood, De- Terry? Derry. Derry. Derek. 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 Derry. Remind me, what's Hello, your name Derek. again? Um, no, uh, I haven't. Well, you should. You, Don't honestly, care. It, no, you'd love it. It's amazing. And they, you, they have some of the best swearing you will ever hear, which you of all people should should like. No? Nope. You don't like cowboys. What's the, what's the problem? What's, the, what's your beef? It's just very you. It's Hang on. It's <laughs> Oh, God. Like, it can't just be me. It's like, just so you. It's what? like... Cowboys. Yeah. 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 No, okay. thank you. Terry's never going to watch Deadwood. Boy, you must have loved Deadwood. Yes, I, I did love Deadwood, I, I, but I um, need to watch this. Yeah, I really, I'm, yeah. Excited, I'm excited about watching it. Yeah, I'm excited to, to watch the iambic with Pantameter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not literally in no, iambic know, Pantameter, or, no. of course, trochaic tetrameter, which would be oh, an alternative form of verse. Oh, wow. But um, uh, if, if this radio show could, uh, could express the look li- that Terry just gave yeah. me. I've got a degree in literature. I've never heard of that. How have you never heard of this? I've got a degree in English. All right, fine. Okay, so so so, <laughs> pentameter is because it's, yeah, it's that... five syllables. Yeah. We so understand. Tetrameter what... is four syllables. Uh, iambic is the uh, it's where the stress falls on the syllables. So boom, boom. So this the stress falls on the second syllable. Yeah. No so shit. Be the flies and masters of the war. Yes, and trochaic would be the inverse. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you explaining but, but what's this called, to what's us? What's the inverse? Uh, it's trochaic. Trochaic. Iambic versus trochaic. I was never taught that. No. No. No, neither was I, because oh, I, I didn't study it, but okay. I like to pick up stupid bits of information, really, so that I can say them to Terry in a condescending way on this podcast. Uh, uh, but yes, I enjoyed Deadwood very much. I heartily recommend that if you have not seen it, you seek it out. It's on uh, Sky Now TV. And if you haven't watched Deadwood, like Terry, like you're some weird philistine, fucking go and do it. So hang on. So to go back to my question, which you still haven't answered... Have you been watching oh, yeah. either The Virtues or Years and Years? I think it was Years? clear. I was rather hoping that yeah, I'd, uh, I'd of... successfully <laughs> sidestep that. No, I, I am not watching the rest of The Virtues uh, because it is world-endingly depressing, even if it's amazing. Oh, it gets way worse. I know, and like, I can't be dealing with that. Years and Years, I, I do want surface. to, but I haven't, I haven't, I'm, I'm behind. There was just too much. There's, there's too much Sons of Anarchy in my life. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't do it. My God. Sorry. Um... What, what was your Black Mirror thing? So no. we didn't review it last week um, because we weren't allowed to. Um, uh, I watched the first two episodes and I, I know there's been a lot of talk this week um, because it's had mixed reviews this season, I think it's fair to say. I've watched the first two episodes um, I did not particularly like the first one. Um, which one did you mean? Striking that... Vipers, oh, okay. which was the Anthony yeah, Mackie yeah, one, yeah. Um, which is basically about two friends, um, uh, two straight friends, one of whom is in a relationship, one of which has a family, and they essentially go to this VR fighting game called Striking Vipers, and uh, they one becomes a woman in the game, one is still a man in the game, and they end up in a sexual relationship in virtual reality but not in the real world and it's about how it makes them question their mm. sexuality and and it's I 
didn't particularly like it. I thought he was a bit stupid. Um, uh, the second one was Smithereens, which is um, Andrew Scott, which I actually thought was a lot better. Um, but what I'm hearing a lot of, and I'm, I'm going to work my way through the rest of the season this weekend, mm. is that it is much more hit and miss than previous episodes. Boyd, have um, you? I've seen that. I've seen, uh, yeah, so I completely disagree. I absolutely loved the first one, the Anthony Mackie. Did you? Why? Because I thought it was a really interesting exploration of male sexuality. And Did you? Totally. 100%. I thought it was fascinating. And I thought, because and I never, it's something I'd never seen before. I hadn't seen that idea that these, that, that these two guys could virtually get it on with one of them, you know, based on avatars in a fighting computer game. There's mm. lots happening. There's, it's mm. about like the, the fighting thing, the computer game thing, the porn, the influence of porn on people's lives, the, the digital world influencing your sex life. I thought the relationship between Anthony Mackie and his wife was really well drawn. There's a brilliant scene in the restaurant, which I mentioned in my interview to Charlie Brooker, that I thought was a really great exploration of a long-term relationship gone to shit. Um, I, I thought it was fascinating. Don't... I liked how it didn't really... There was no big statement about it. It was just like, this might happen to these two straight guys and they might end up I just having find... sex virtually. And it's, what, oh, and it's interesting. Well, the, way that tr- the way that treated kind of, you know... I, I don't think it, it had any real interesting things to say about sexuality. Fundamentally misunderstood what it is to be... Um, to be gay and I think the way it was like oh we got it it on in this virtual does that mean I'm gay as a straight match a a bit which essentially becomes a fight scene which was I just thought really clumsy about about um, what it was trying to say about straight men being threatened by the thought of being Mm -hmm. in you know in some way attracted to somebody of the same sex I just I no I I, honestly I thought it was fantastic and I I, it's my top five Five Black Mirror episodes all the time. And, I th- and, wow. that, and it's in uh, someone else did one on the Guardian. Stuart Harris did this, this. That was the highest one he had as well. So it's not just me that loved it. I think it's just I, really. You can't just like tell me another saying, person who likes I'm, it you, the, to prove that I'm wrong. I'm insane for liking it. I'm, I'm not the only one who, who thinks. It's no, a that really, is just really my strong. opinion. I respect your James, opinion, James. You could you could weigh in. I'm going to weigh in and tell you it. tell you a fact. You ready oh for my facts? God. I myself. Can I can I take back my invitation? Absolutely not. I myself used to play a female night elf rogue in World of Warcraft. So I've got a question. Called Silana. So I had a question during this episode. I was I was interested in why a guy would choose to be a female character in a game. Just to mix it up, really, because you get bored of using the same models. Because often in these games you have multiple characters, you use multiple ones. And sometimes you think, I quite fancy making a girl character. And sometimes the girl characters just look better than the male characters. Like the night elf... So uh, you can fancy uh, right. yourself. No, OK, I'll give you the honest one. It's like the night elf in World of Warcraft were a bit shit looking and had wobbly ears right. and the female ones just looked better and I was like and I so think, I'll use you know that. what I actually think this is going to sound really wanky and pretentious but you, your answer to that question is part, I think that what's great about this episode is there are it doesn't actually give you easy answers and there are no it's not about what it's like to be gay or what it's like to be straight it's kind of about these two men who end up in this situation without them really thinking about it or planning it or actually thinking why am I choosing to be a woman in this game and that's what I love about it I think it's really Really, really brilliant how it's not sticking to those kind of categories and those, even, you know, 
there's, I, I honestly, I thought it was a brilliant exploration of lots and lots of different things without making them in any way simplistic. But, that, it, but I think it just failed to, it may have worked for you, but it didn't work for me for exactly that reason. It didn't truly in any way engage with any of it. It, it amounted to nothing by the end of it. Oh, I think it, do you think, Terry, that's because you yourself have never been a night elf rogue in World of Warcraft? Quite possibly. Maybe I'm speaking from a place so of inexperience. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out him. So Dan Jolin, who, uh, who who's uh, one of the Empire Extended family, uh, he used to play World of Warcraft. He and I, in fact, used to play together. We were in the same guild. Anyway, I digress. I'd love to have but, seen that. Uh, and, and then no, no, I'm, 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 oh, this is relevant. This is okay. relevant. This is your thing. I'm saying that we, we like, Dan was really into like the role play aspect of this. So he made me join a role play server where people would routinely go up to other characters in character and have weird, sometimes quite sexy conversations with them. And, you know, as a, frankly, quite attractive female night elf rogue, I got cracked onto by the odd gnome and a randy, you and know. How did you feel about it? I was perfectly fine with it but yeah. uh, you know I never oh. I never you know let them have their wicked way with me or anything it was yeah. all very very above board although you... there is a t-shirt you can get that <laughs> says rogues do it from behind which I always thought was quite funny um, and at the um, the Andrew Scott one Smithereens which you liked more I really like that one mm. and what I like but that, again slight spoiler alert it's got a really ambiguous ending which people have been coping with um, so it doesn't resolve the what's going on really the, so the actual storyline is him kidnapping this guy for various reasons and I but it, it, it's interesting how open-ended it's left, and I really like that aspect of it. I think so what people seem to be saying about the whole series as a whole is two things. One is that it's it's you know going, it's addressing issues very kind of clunkily. People are accusing it of going, oh, this is about computer games and porn and sexuality. This one's about mobile phones is going too far, you know, which is the thing that Charlie Brooker makes fun of people thinking that the show is about. Mm. And he addresses that I think explicitly in the Andrew Scott episode Smithereens, and then in the Miley Cyrus one, it's like, oh, this is about pop stars being exploited. But I think in every case, that's just the kind of bottom line hook of them. What I think. I think that the, show, the, the series has almost got better, and I really like these three episodes because they just explore these things without really making a point, and that's why I like about them all. I think they're all they've got that comment. Is what I was saying. Uh, well, I think you. I'm judging each one in and of itself, and I just sure. thought narratively, Smithereens, which was the Andrew oh, Scott, yeah. he is remarkable he is in this. Oh, yeah. He is. There's a whole scene where he's like ranting and right. I mean, yeah. the performance from him, I just think is is incredible, absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. So I did like that one more. And look, you know, the, the thing about Black Mirror is they are singular standalone episodes that, you know, each season, there's been ones you love and ones you hate, and um, they've only released three so far, right? Is that right? This is just three this season because of the yes. Bandersnatch thing that yes. took like 10 years out of their lives <laughs> so yeah. they couldn't have time to well but Black you Mirror. do you admit the fact that you've never watched Black Mirror, James? I have. I've seen the Pigfucker one and I've seen Bandersnatch. So I've seen two episodes yeah. of Black Mirror That's in my life. That's pretty extraordinary. They're literally aimed at you. I know. I know. Well, if they made them episodic, they'd have me, but they didn't, so they haven't. Oh, yeah, we've been through this. Yeah. You and your episodic fetish. Speaking of episodic, it is time for Funny or Dire, the new, slightly more organised Funny or Dire, whereupon you two have both seen the episode. Mm-hmm. So this is very exciting. So this uh, is the segment where I subject my famously humorless self to a comedy of our listeners' choosing. This week comes courtesy of one oh at terry underscore white who said on last week's podcast in fact that if i don't like series two episode one of gavin and stacy then there's no hope for me yes so i watched it and i love the way you build up the tension as if it's the most dramatic <laughs> yeah, moment it's like on who wants to be a millionaire they never just bang out the answer do they you have to have the build up of course um Okay, here's the thing. Oh, God. Someone quite accurately, albeit 
snarkily, pointed out on Twitter this week that the problem with me jumping into sitcoms midway is that much of the humour is kind of born out of uh, like oh, familiarity yeah, and affection, yeah. which is absent when you drop in halfway through the yeah. series. So there's a part of this where I felt a lot of this, like the nuances of this might have been lost on me in that I didn't really know who anyone was. So, like... <laughs> I, I, I quite I quite dug the trucking gag at the beginning, you know, when Nessa's driving the truck on the mm-hmm. motorway and uh, and Rob Bryden's like going like, you know, his call sign is like, what was it, Dame Judy Dench, yes, and Dame she's Judy Robert Dench. Mugabe. I'm like, what is happening? But it was, <laughs> this is, you know, that was a giggle. And then, you know, they've got back from honeymoon. I, I kind of, I got that. I, I registered it. Although I did sort of bump on one thing, and that's that, so it's called Gavin and Stacey, right? Yes. So presumably Gavin and Stacey are the leads. Well, well, well that's not really. Yeah. That's the always and interesting. This thing. may have just been this episode, so I better mind I haven't watched it. So he came across as a massive bell end. Which one? Gavin. Gavin. Gavin yeah. I didn't like him at all. And Stacey came across as a moron. And oh, is this deliberate or is it just this episode? Well, no, look, so the arguably the really interesting characters are Nessa. Yes, and who Smithy, I liked, who right? I also liked. And but the whole thing is ostensibly about the relationship between Gavin and Stacey. So that's kind of why. So it's the people the in their orbit. Not yes, so much them. But they, yes, and it's it's based around they met online and the first episode picks up with them meeting for the first time in right. real life and they take Nessa and Smithy with them for moral support. So it's all about the families and the bringing together of these two worlds, which has happened because of the relationship of Gavin and Stacey. Yeah. But yeah, one of the more interesting things is they're the least interesting characters yes. in the entire okay, thing. Okay, good, because I very much felt that. Like, I thought James Corden was loads of fun in this. Like, I yes. love it when he comes in and it's the whole, you haven't called me, never called you, you've been on this honeymoon and he's feeling all jilted and upset. I thought that was really fun. I enjoyed like, because obviously most of it happens in this this restaurant mm-hmm. and there's lots of little moving parts to this which which was quite fun. Like, I enjoyed the kind of Smithy and, and is it Bryn, Rob Bryden? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> I enjoyed Bryn. their whole dynamic mm-hmm. thing and the way he's looking for a replacement best friend. There were some really funny funny lines there. The Julia Davis interlude, I, I was really With like, Seth. I don't know who uh, she is in this. Like, I don't, like, who are they? She's the friends with neighbours. Are they just neighbors. friends? Are they yeah, neighbours. Okay. And like, and, and and the bit like and they're having this threesome with this guy and there's that running gag where they're like who is it and they're like it's the black bear and they did that kind of pointing to their face thing and I was like ooh ow that hasn't aged well no but, you know I was like so there's the running and then there's that, that thing in the toilet where they're all in the toilet yeah. having this conversation and she's pregnant and she's having a threesome and it's all a bit like and they're all a bit racist and it's just yeah there's, there's a lot going on the writing um, in the bathroom scene is amazing the way they built you know obviously initially it's just because it, um, it piles on it's yeah. like a continuing yeah. and this so and this and now so this it's just ne- Nessa and yeah. Stacey and then yeah. Pam comes in and then as you say Julia Davis yeah. comes in and Smithy's the Dawn and Smithy's and the way that the rhythm of the writing yes. I think yes. is, is like exceptionally yeah. well it's, done it is scene. it is well written like don't get me wrong this, this isn't my it, it's not aimed at me like I don't this isn't the kind of thing I find particularly funny generally. I thought it was well it's written. aimed at someone who cannot understand comedy. You know? Exactly yeah. that, yeah. yeah. But I, mean, I thought I thought of all the characters in it, I liked Nessa and Smithy. Everyone else, mm-hmm. not so much. Uh, what like, about Pam what and Mick? Like, yeah. like, Pam is just... What, and Bryn, and he didn't like, he didn't like Rob Bryden's Bryn. What you, what's the matter with uh, I, I, I enjoyed the... his interactions with Smithy, but I found him I found him quite... You know, like I have a real issue with kind of comedy archetype characters where they're quite, you know, niche in their comedic appeal and his whole thing like I didn't his shtick didn't really land with me okay. but that's not to say I think this is in any way a bad show I'm just I'm I mean, just from this one episode that I watched but yes. did you James Corden clearly a massive fan of our podcast and of me in particular James <laughs> but yeah. did you did you did I what did, did I laugh, laugh at anybody yeah. god no oh, but um, god. but I enjoyed it and, and that's the important thing you didn't laugh important? at all did you have an 
it, like sometimes you differentiate between an inside laugh and an outside <laughs> laugh. Did you inside laugh? Was there an inside laugh in there? It's I I do seem to call one part where I smiled. Definitely, God. there were no, and it was a Nessa bit. It was a Nessa bit, and I can't remember. It was the, it was the, uh, she was the original uh, fourth member of All Saints, All Saints, but she couldn't get on with Shazna. Yeah. That made me smile. Okay, I thought it was funny. just the deadpan delivery, and there, oh, was that? And she goes, no, that was that was real. It was. Uh, I thought that was good. I liked that a lot. Oh, God. Uh, so yeah, so that was uh, that was Gavin and Stacey. Now, I, I'm what I'm going to suggest we do now is a new thing. It's not a regular. Don't worry. It's a continuation of this, whereby let's cho- let's white right now on air choose next week's. Comedy okay. installment. Right, so I've got a few options for you here. You tell me which one I should pick. Uh, there is uh, someone here recommends for James's joyless bastard segment. Thank you very much for that. JJB, I like it. Yeah, could be a new name right there. There's Silicon Valley. That's 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 been thrown out there. Yeah. Oh, coupling. There's an episode of coupling in here thrown into the mix. Haven't you done? I have actually, but it was a very long time ago, and I don't remember it. Modern Family is in here as well. Fly the Concords. What are we thinking, Boyd? Pick one. Scrubs season six, episode six. I might pick Modern Family because it's Modern Family. You say right? Okay, yeah. let's look at this. And it's about it's going to win. This is from Hell's Bells, and she says uh, Modern Family season six, episode twelve, The Big Guns. I mean, I can't remember what that one was, but yeah, sounds fair enough. Terry looks utterly is unimpressed Hell's by Bells this. Hell's Bells, Helen O'Hara. <laughs> no, it's oh. a different one. It's different okay. Hell's Bells. Okay, Terry, you off watching an episode of Modern Family? <laughs> I sure. mean, she hasn't seen that. But yeah, I mean, right. I think that's a no. <laughs> okay, so we will attempt to watch this episode of Modern Family by next week. Uh, if you have an episode that you wish me to feast my eyes upon, then do tweet it at me at James C Dyer, and uh, we'll add it to the list. Right, shall we get on to some news? A shitload of stuff has been cancelled this week. Have you seen this? No, I've been away for four days. So okay. I don't really know what's going on. Many things have happened. So uh, Sneaky Pete has been cancelled after three seasons at Amazon. That's the Giovanni Rabisi show that, mm. frankly, I've never watched. Um, but I, that's done. Yeah, I have. I'm not surprised. It's no? Been, I mean, okay. I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it a lot. In fact, someone tweeted us, me, slash me recently, about saying how much they like Sneaky Pete and why we hadn't really focused on it that much on well, this show. As, now, now it's too late. Now they have their answer. But I have to, to start with, it was really good. And I, and I did kind of slightly dwindle, my interest slightly dwindled. Yeah. It was, but yeah. Mm, Okay, well, that's gone. Sci-Fi has cancelled both Deadly Class and Happy. Now, uh, Deadly Class, I don't think anyone's necessarily going to miss, but Happy people have banged on about quite a lot. Like, that seems to be quite popular, so... Uh, But apparently there's rumours that Happy might get picked up by a streaming service. Mm -hmm. Deadly Class, not so much. No. No. It's over. Uh, Silicon Valley ending as well. So season six is going to be the last Silicon Valley. That feels right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, as much as I love it, yeah. So, yeah, quite a few few endings there. Mm. Did you see this Jurassic World, animated Jurassic World story? No. So Netflix are making Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, which is an animated spin-off from Jurassic World, uh, which will be coming to the service, and it is set within the same timeline as the first, well, as the Jurassic World films, and it follows a group of teenagers who go to Isla Nublar and dinosaurs wreak havoc. I can't think of Terry's laughing. Are you laughing at me or the dinosaurs or both? Both that that kind of meeting of uh, you and dinosaurs. <laughs> animated dinosaurs. Animated dinosaurs. Just... Do you imagine I'm going to watch a show about animated dinosaurs? Yes, I do. <laughs> you absolute loser. I am absolutely not. I have no interest in it. However, this next animated Netflix series, <laughs> oh, I am no. absolutely going to watch. And Would you like to know what it is? The no. Russo Brothers... 
yes, of Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. fame, are making a Magic the Gathering animated series for Netflix, and I am on board with that. What the holy hell is Magic the Gathering? Oh, Boyd, I love the way you pretend you don't play it all the time with your friends. Magic the Gathering play with is an intensely nerdy collectible card game. It is one of the nerdiest things around. Collectible card it's like, game? You know like how Pokemon's a collectible card oh, game? Right, yeah. yeah, so it's like that, but it's really nerdy, and it's about planeswalkers and magic and spells like and Pokemon, things. Like Pokemon, but really nerdy. You're but really what? nerdy, and it's aimed at, you know, adults. And, and by adults, me, I mean man-children. Are you saying that the Russo brothers, like after conquering the world yes. with the Avengers, and this is where they this is their next thing. I love the fact that the Russos love Russo. Magic the Gathering, and I think we should get them on to play Magic the Gathering live on the podcast. I mean, go for it. I think that would be amazing. Aren't they making a TV series? I did see this of the um, that doofus from like Angels and Demons and all those terrible books. <laughs> what, what, the, the, what's his chops? Yeah, um, Dan, Code Man, Dan Brown. Dan Brown. They're yeah. making a TV series of that character. Oh, I are they? Yeah. Did you see? You didn't even see this. I, saw oh, I this, didn't know this that. Morning, no. yeah. What's his name? Um, I'll look, have a look. Can't remember. I can't remember his name. It's Robert. Robert no, Robert. Yes, Robert Langdon. Robert, Robert Langdon. Langdon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Robert Langdon. It's going to be, I believe, a Robert Langdon TV series. Oh my god! I'm not yeah. watching that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, um, they've signed a deal with Imagine Entertainment. Blah blah blah. And um, it, NBC has nabbed it. It's based on the last, the lost symbol, which one that was one of the recent. You books. see, they never made a film of that. No, because they did Inferno, which I think was, was shit. A bit of a prequel, wasn't it? I think. Or I something about, yeah. I didn't read it. I mean, they are famously terrible, and Inferno was like famously diabolical. But you know, give it a go. Um, so I want to talk about Chernobyl being the highest rated TV show ever on IMDb. Um, so I think it's previously held by The Wire or Breaking Bad, but they're both up there and it's beat them all. Um, and boy, you actually only talked about this last week, right? With yeah. how incredible yeah. it, it had become. Unbelievably brilliant. Now. So it's got, as of Tuesday, just gone, it had a 9.7 star out of 10 average. And that's from 140,000 users on IMDb, incredible. which is pretty, and it says that puts it ahead of Breaking Bad, which had 9.5, Planet Earth 2, which had 9.5, Brand Brothers, um, Planet Earth, Game of Thrones, and The Wire, which were all previously. And I think what's really interesting about that is that um, it's like a word of mouth thing, isn't mm. it? It's not because people talk about... Mm. I saw someone on, on social media the other day going, oh, it's the latest... This is just, the, you know, after Mad Men and The Wire and Breaking Bad. And people put in that saying, oh, you know, it shows you have to like yeah. to show yes. your... But that's not what's happened at all. This show, I remember when we were first told about it, in fact. I absolutely very clearly remember an email from HBO and Sky whatever saying, oh, you know, we've created this drama, which is a real-life look at what happened in Chernobyl. And, um, and they were like, oh, fascinating, good cast. You know, even you know, even with the point where we interviewed Jared, Jared Harris, yeah. Yeah. it was still like, this is a really, really, really good show. That no one's going to watch. May possibly mm. no one's going to watch, you know. It sounds, it's a bit of a downer, let's yeah. face it. And then it just, every, it, people just carried on watching it and going, actually, this is is one of the greatest things we've ever seen and that is I find that process really fascinating yeah. um, and it's and it's kind of hard, I think it's really exciting and heartwarming yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely phenomenal but do you think because that is interesting right which is about there are certain shows which people like to have as almost kind of um, signifiers yeah. of their yes. intelligence and absolutely, their habits yeah. and, and all of that yeah. but it has made me want to go back and revisit Chernobyl because I watched the first episode for this um, podcast and I, I enjoyed it but yeah. I wasn't oh, it's a whole, yeah. completely blown away by it but I love like you just said I love the fact that it's actually just through people watching it and 
talking about it on social and recommending it to people. It wasn't kind of a big explosive start yeah. with huge stars and loads of marketing and all of that. It seems to have been genuine kind of buzz building from it just being really, really fucking yeah. good. And I think when you and I think you will love it because because each episode is because it is it does use all kinds of different techniques to dramatize the story so effectively. It is mm. an extraordinary achievement. It absolutely is. And, I, and and he's put the he's doing things like the writers put the scripts online. Yeah. Um, I think he's a, they've done a, their own podcast about it, haven't they? Mm. Um, it's a, just a fascinating example of drama ruling the world. Yeah, it does indeed rule. Anyone news? Only Mackenzie Crook. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> Bringing God. back Wurzel Gummidge to the telly. This really upset me. So everybody knows about the John Pertwee series, BBC series in the 1970s. Um, that was brilliantly shit. Um, definitely factored in my childhood. And there is two single 60-minute episodes, right? So essentially, is it a TV show, is it a film? I'm sure we will be having that fight, debate, at some, yeah. uh, fight at some point. Um, I'm just like, what? Why? Who's playing Aunt Sally? I do uh, not know James Dyer. Yeah, don't know. Who was the other one? Who was that? the evil gummage? Who was the evil scarecrow? I can't remember. There was I an evil know. scarecrow. Uh. But why, why in this day and age, right? I'm like, because modern, think... zeitgeisty, exciting I don't, I don't yeah. TV. I think, it, I think it's going to be a Christmas. I don't know. I, I haven't even looked. At, I, I haven't looked at the story in detail. I feel it's going to be like a, like a you know, Watership Down style Christmas TV event, a recognisable, yes. you know, um, what's the word, uh, project, you know, thing. We've heard of it. If you've heard of something, that's enough for anyone now in television <laughs> to go, right, let's redo that. With Mackenzie Group's a huge talent. He did and a it is job. with members of the Detectorists exactly. team, right? Could so we just got... up with the Detectorists? So they're like, you know, what do you want to do? But it's, he, for him to then turn and go, I'm going to do Russell Cummings, it is yeah. unexpected. Could we talk about the design, like the look? Because I found him so unpleasant to look upon because that I was... don't think... Because he, hmm? he was no, mucky. Because he was no, he's just like with the weird. You mean the original John No, no, this one. Oh, this oh, one. Like, yeah. It really upset me. The look of it yeah. was horrific. So was the original. I, was like, though. I found yeah, the original incredibly scary and creepy at the time. Yeah, it was creepy, but not like this is actually just quite stomach churning. Like his face is nasty. No, I really, I have a real issue with it. Where oh, it creeps me out. It's like you know when people have clown phobias. Maybe I've got a scarecrow phobia. But either way, I will not be watching this. Wow. Well, no. What if we force you to watch it and we're reviewing it? Uh, we'll just, we'll do it whenever there's a documentary, we'll do it like that, where you two can watch it and I'll well, just pretend I have and just nod and hope that you don't realise I'm not contributing. Okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one will notice. Anything else? Are we no. done? Nah. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to reviews. First up is Big Little Lies Season 2. This follows on from uh, 2017's Big Little Lies, a series based on the novel of the same name by Leanne Moriarty. Uh, this was a story of a group of women living in the well-to-do community of Monterey, California, who became embroiled in a murder investigation. And who exactly has been murdered and how and why is something that sort of gradually unfurls over the course of the first season. Now, this season picks up in the aftermath of said murder with Reese Witherspoon... Nicole Kidman, Shailene Woodley, Laura Dern and Zoe Kravitz joined this time by none other than Meryl Streep in a cast that would make any huge budget film weep. However, before we continue, I do have to say this. We will not be spoiling anything from season two because that would be wildly irresponsible. But I feel it's kind of impossible to yes. talk about this without referencing the events of season one. Mm. So if you have not seen the first season of Big Little Eyes, which was on two years ago, people. Uh, <laughs> firstly, why not? But secondly, you might want to skip this bit for the next few minutes. So skip the next few minutes. Gone? Good. Right, okay. Terry, 
What was the verdict? So, okay, so I only watched the first episode. I think you've watched I've a three, couple I've seen more. three, yeah. Um, so, as you say, this opens a year after um, Perry's death, um, played by Alexander Skarsgård. Yep. Um, and it's very much about uh, where these five women are. They've been called the Monterey Five yeah. by some in the local community. Um, and it's different, like, almost immediately. What was so brilliant about the first season was it is so rare in television still that you get um, that number of incredible female characters which are drawn so honestly, so brutally. Um, They are privileged, they are rich, they are selfish, they are narcissistic, they are egotistical, they are liars, they are cheaters, but they are also, um, there's really interesting thing it says about their friendships, about them as mothers, as wives. It was absolutely unflinching in its um, depiction of violence and sexual violence and the kind of consequences for for women and their families and, and communities as a whole. The first season was, I remember I watched it all. I went on holiday and I just thought I'd watch one so I couldn't sleep one night and I did the whole thing and stayed up till six in the morning. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the pace of the first one was incredible. This opens really differently. The tone yeah. is so different. So yeah. the first one was just the writing was incredible. The like Madeline, especially Reese Witherspoon's character, had some amazing zingers. There's real <laughs> kind of, you know, the way they speak to each other is so realistic, very acerbic, really funny, really cutting. Like, there was an amazing kind of um, lightness in the tone alongside some of the really serious things that happened as the season went on. However, with this, there is a like a darkness over the entire thing immediately Mm. because they are still grappling with what happened. Zoe Kravitz as Bonnie is remarkable like she she you can see the weight physically on her she's so drawn she's the one who obviously actually pushed Perry um down the stairs and she's dealing with having taken a human life whatever the circumstances were and so it takes a little bit and as I say I've only seen the first episode because it's automatically very dark and the tone of it is, you know, Celeste is still grieving. She's dreaming about her awful, abusive husband who she clearly still loves to some degree. Um, Meryl Streep is incredible, uh-huh. right? Like I mean, That almost goes without saying, but she really well, is. Well, a really, really different is, Meryl Streep, yeah. right? Yeah. So, like, there's an incredible, um, there's some brilliant passive-aggressive scenes with yeah. Madeline, especially. <laughs> yeah. And she, there's a whole thing about her being short. Yeah. And yeah. she's like, oh, you're very short. I don't mean it in a negative way. Oh, maybe I do. And then she recounts this story yeah. of this girl at school who was horrible to her. Um, she is remarkable and quite unlike any performance of her I've seen before. Oh, fascinating mm. bit yeah. of character. Isn't it? Fascinating character work. She she almost weaponizes passive aggression. Yeah, but she's interesting. But she's not. She's not exactly an antagonist. She is an antagonist. But you, you get the She's not got a malevolent agenda. She's genuinely wrestling she's with grieving. this thing that's happened. But also the fact that she's beginning to understand or suspect what her son, in fact, was, mm. and understanding who he is. And one of the things that I was going into this thinking, I was equal parts relieved but also disappointed that this wasn't like Alexander Sarsgaard is dead. Yeah, because he was horrific, but just. So so compelling in that way and he his presence continues in this through the flashbacks but the flashbacks if anything are actually more upsetting than a number of the scenes in the first season there's one in particular where he's like she's on the ground she's punching her in the stomach and it's 
Oh, it's it's almost impossible to watch. Isn't but don't, it? but isn't it astonishing that some of the flashbacks as well? And I think this is what it does really intelligently. They're loving ones. They're of him mm. playing with his kids and yeah. and kissing her gently. And what it does and what it did in the first season is it showed no no man who who is violent to their wives is violent and abusive twenty four hours a day. Mm. It's about the character is somebody who can be incredibly loving and be your world, and then at the same time enact and, this terrible violence and turn on a dime. And it's really interesting the scene she has with her quite belligerent therapist who, who I love her who, yeah so do I amazing it's Robin Weiger who's the therapist who is also Calamity Jane in Deadwood and the Sons of Anarchy's oh lawyer oh lest God. we forget uh, but yeah she's amazing in this and what she draws out from Kidman is like Kidman she she still loves Perry despite everything she blames herself for part of it oh. like her emotions about this are so complex and so hard to unpack and so I think that adds so many layers to it. And then Charlene Woodley's character, her emotional sort of compact, that she's discovered that this long, this man, this figure from her past who raped her and who she had a child from, she now knows who he is and he's now the deceased husband of a close friend of hers and now her child has two half-brothers and oh, there's so many layers yeah. and the relationships between these women is fascinating and I love the fact that it, like the first one was very much, I think, a, kind of a three-hander. Like It was Kidman, it was Woodley and it was Witherspoon whereas this, I think, uh, like Laura Dern has been Elevated mm. now to a major character, Zoe Kravitz and as Zoe well. Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz yeah. was one, I think, one of the yep. few flaws of yep. season one. She wasn't well served. She in that was at not all. well served, no. and she was a bit as the only person of color, yeah, in the because she was not well served, and she was a bit of a, a, a minor. Yes. And, and you could see narratively why that was, yeah, because of the res at the end. Yeah. because we didn't know yep. until right at the end of the whole season what had happened, which was brilliantly handled. Yeah, but she's now, as you say, fairly, very much to the fore. And I think the brilliant thing about this whole having this incredible ensemble is they've balanced the whole thing out and I think what for me the most clever decision they've made is that season one was it was a was a crime drama in, yep. in many ways yep. it was a thriller in which not only did you not know who'd been killed or why or who did it there was like a triple level <laughs> of mystery yeah. which was incredibly well handled and at the same time it was an exploration of abuse and mm. of privilege and of everything of racism every, I mean absolutely everything thrown in this dispenses with the mystery element there is no mystery but I think that was a brilliant decision because it's a, that's a brave, that's a mm. kind of, it's the realism of it. I think it mm. would have been, how do we have another mystery in this story yeah. with these characters? Yeah. It would have been a bit ridiculous. This and is all taken the very kind of mature, for me, sensible decision to make it all about the fallout. Mm. Yeah. And how all of these characters are dealing with this incredible event and how it's impacted on their lives from Meryl Street onwards. Because she's, she's investigating, effectively. Yeah. She? Yeah. She's, but that's the tension. Yeah. The mystery is whether or not, because this is right. all after whether or not she's going oh, yeah, to no, uncover. There's dramatic tension, but it's yeah. not a mystery. And, no. and I think that, and, the, and that that has changed the show and and, and for me I, I potentially making it even better because now it's kind of unshackled from a genre it's just mm. is what it is it's about these people and their lives and how all these events are impacting on them the scenes where Meryl Streep with the kids are really mm. clever I think because she's so nice and charming so the kids love her her, her grandkids and it kind of reflects on Alexander Skargard the way he was yeah. with the kids. he was brilliant with the kids being this horrendous abusing monster to his wife and I think all of that how the impact that she's had in bringing him up I think all of that's going to kind of start tumbling out I think it's absolutely but such a rich yeah. thing, isn't it? And we should mention Andrew Arnold. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, and she's obviously directing this mm. and is, you know, done incredible work in film, American Honey, Wuthering Heights. Um, but she has a very specific sensibility, which I think you can really see yeah. and is present initially. But to, to your point, I'm going to be really interested, Boyd, in, in kind of what the narrative thrust mm. ends up being because the, the kind of mystery at the heart of it gave it a certain pace and oh, yeah. rhythm and... Yeah. and and 
you know, as you say, that this tension is going to come from, is Meryl Streep going to uncover it? Are the police going to work out what happened? Can, you know, can Zoe Kravitz's Bonnie, can she actually live with this? She's not even told her husband. She can't, she's essentially kind of mute for much of the first episode because she feels so unable to exist in a world where she's carrying this on her shoulders and is unable to be honest about it. Um, And how that kind of, the rhythm, I'm interested in how the rhythm settles in and how that pace comes through and how it sustains it because the absolute kind of desperation to get to the next episode is my overriding memory of the first season like I absolutely needed it and needed and you just and this was absolutely binge worthy television if it it helps convey this I did not watch a single episode of Sons of Anarchy between episodes one and three I went straight from one to the next to the next so I think I think it's so they're so confident that we're so and fascinated by these characters as, as, as I think people who watch the show will be that it is absolutely you do need to keep watching it I think, yeah. I think that is the brilliance mm. of it really that is the, this, the incredible th- a lot happens like this is because this as you say it's, it, this is all fallout it's it's about these women gradually unravelling like lots of other external elements come into this just sort of piles onto them and it is about them come, kind of coming undone as all of this stuff unravels but yeah it's really 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 good I think uh, this is once again written by David E. Kelly who does all the teleplays for this uh, and uh, any worry that not having Moriarty's book to work from would cause this to sort of meander a little bit I think uh, mm. was misplaced and yeah really, and she really conceived good. it with yeah. Kelly which yeah. is worth yes. saying as well because exactly. she, yeah. she was you know she drew these these women so brilliantly and you know god female I do you know how rare it is to see female rage expressed so articulately on television there is an incredible scene with Meryl Streep screaming and there was there's you know there's a memorable one in the trailer which is Bonnie screaming and they're both kind of verbal and silent and emotional rage the way it harnesses that I mean the way it uses nature the the waves the sea I mean it's just so beautifully and lyrically done I also want to give a shout out to Charlene Woodley mainly because anyone would be intimidated beyond imagining to be in a lineup with these actors and she not only does it wonderfully but she holds her own as well and that is no mean feat I want to give a shout out to Laura Dern who I love yeah. her character's new term which is becoming like a, this kind of celebrity <laughs> social media forgetting it is fucking hilarious <laughs> and brilliant Yes, yeah. very good. So that is Big Little Lies Season 2. This drops on Sky Atlantic and Now TV on Monday, June the 10th at 2am. Well, that's the simulcast, as they do with Game of Thrones. Yes. But you can watch it at the normal time at 9pm as well. You can, indeed. So if you want to watch it at 2am, go nuts. <laughs> and if you want to watch it at the more sensible hour, maybe do that instead. Uh, next up this week is The Act. Now, this debuted in the US on Hulu uh, back in March. Hulu. Hulu. Back in March. Uh, this stars Patricia Arquette and Chloe Sevigny, and it tells the story of Dee Dee Blanchard, the mother to a disabled daughter named Gypsy, uh, and her overbearing, kind of abusive, quote-unquote, caregiving leads to conflict and ultimately, dun-dun-da, murder. Uh, this is actually based on a true story. So this is this is events that unfolded in Missouri in 2015. So spoilers do abound for anyone who f- was following this in the news at the time. Um, the actual show, I think, was inspired by a BuzzFeed article that reported on mm-hmm. the actual events. Um, 
Now, funnily enough, I had never heard of this and I didn't know what it was. I had no clue what this was going into it. And the expression on Gypsy's face in the poster made me think this was a supernatural horror. So I really <laughs> didn't know what to... I was like, is she a killer doll? I'm confused. Killer doll. It could have been. I it going to be The Exorcist meets yes, Charles meets, meets Annabelle. Yeah, I was very, very perplexed by I this. But it. I had no idea what it would be. I it's th- only slightly less uh, over the top. Yeah, it? like I found this incredibly challenging watching, which is something we seem to say about something every week at the moment, uh, which might reflect modern television but the kind of saccharine smothering attentions of someone with with munchausen by proxy is is never easy to watch but our care and she's excellent in this is horrifying it's it's something we saw last year you know like in in sharp objects where and it's it's handled quite differently here uh not least of all because this one's a true story but i in the same way i found those scenes incredibly hard to watch that faux concern that it's all about her need to be needed mm-hmm. uh and it's 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 a horrible horrible piece of thing and obviously in this one ends very very badly indeed uh, what did you guys make of this one I also found it challenging. There's, <laughs> but everything about it really, it, it, it's a really uncomfortable watch. There's some, like, quite um, challenging stylistic choices. The colour palette is sweet and sickly. And it's and I, I should say, like, Patricia Arquette is incredible, I think. I mean, she's an incredible actress anyway. Mm. Joey King is also, who plays Gypsy. Um but it is, as you say, it's on this incredibly lurid case and there is something that feels um, difficult about watching something which is in some way dramatised and you're not sure about which bits are kind of fiction and overblown and exaggerated yeah. because obviously it's based on factual stuff but there are certain bits of characterization that you would imagine are kind of embellished or made more appropriate for TV. I, don't, I couldn't put my finger on what it was and it is a really shocking case. And um, and there's something about Joey King and the way I, I I can't explain it. It just it I found it really difficult to kind of sit with. And you know something like Munchausen syndrome by proxy is difficult anyway because you know it's the deception involved and mm. and the kind of complex psychology of as you say being needed but but believing yourself that your child is sick and it's a very complex mental illness a very 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 mm. complex mental illness um so it felt lurid and maybe at times a little bit tacky but i couldn't tell you 100% why i felt like that it's just something it, it made me feel a little bit ill yeah. watching oh, it oh me too yeah i felt i felt very like i needed a shower up mm. afterwards and i i remember one point pausing and thinking there was 20 minutes left to go and being going oh my god i don't think i can cope with this and not because it's bad but i just i was so i just didn't enjoy watching it but it's so warped right yeah and it's you, twisted yeah. it's it's horrible and and the fact that it's also kind of true makes it really difficult like i i did actually go onto wikipedia and read the true story and actually that blew my mind even more because the way this actually pans out is just like Fucking hell! But I definitely didn't see that from the first episode. Mm. Um, Boyd, were you were you equally um, traumatized? What did you? Yeah, just cruise I, mean, I completely. It? No, I completely. I think the luridness is the thing. Mm. Yeah, and it's like soft focus. There's mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. About Carrie, have you remember yes. Brian De Palma's? Uh, reminded me of that, and I wonder whether I was trying to find out whether it'd been an influence. But I don't think they'd admit it, even if it was. But Carrie's shot in a weird, soft focus kind yeah. of gauze, almost like as a gauze in front of the lens. And you're right, and and it's, there's lots of scenes in the mall, and there's lots of pink, and it is sickly. And I think that's deliberate. So I mm. think I do think the correct the, the look of it and the the kind of slightly over the top. Oh, it's very deliberate. Very deliberate. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, thing. Yeah. And I do, and and, the, and it's and it's the old thing, isn't it? It's, it's the true crime kind of morality of mm. that. And I do think you're left with because because of course the actual real G- Gypsy Blanchard, for example, the the daughter has complained. And I think mm. she might have even. I was looking. She, she said she was going to take legal action. Whether she has or not, I don't know. But this whole issue of basing of dramatizing true crime stories for people that's still alive yeah. is a real really interesting one. And I, and I don't even know. And I, I feel like I'm complicit in watching it mm. and complicit in reviewing and talking about it. But actually, it is fascinating, intriguing, very well done. And it's you know, and it's not like this. And this is a you know a kind of a quality show with a brilliant actor at the centre Patricia Arquette is phenomenal and it was also in an Escape with Dan Amora was the last thing which was incredible mm. in that she is I mean it's the cliche yeah. of she disappears into these roles yep. it's absolutely incredible what she does I mean it's no Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 but yeah <laughs> well it's close. well so you're left yeah you're left with it going I don't know whether I should be watching slash being entertained because at some point it is entertaining because the because she is quite an over-the-top figure but suffering from this mental illness and it's and you don't know what to think about mm. it yeah, I think that is the that is the um, I felt exactly the same way mm. but I think I'm going to carry on watching it because I'm not I'm not I'm out it felt grotty it felt grotty in a way that made me feel guilty almost yeah. I felt ashamed yeah. at one bit yeah. and, well, and, and probably well. yeah. and probably to the point you're yeah. making which yeah. is when it you know there's something about these things which are based on real people's lives very deliberate narrative choices and very deliberate stylistic choices. And it made me so uncomfortable and made me like question my role as a viewer mm. and what I was doing by watching it. And and as you say, there are real people still living who are finding themselves portrayed on screen. And does it matter how much is fictionalised and how much is real? And does it matter that they are kind of leaning right into this lurid, grotty world that was mm. created of sickness and, yeah. and sordidness? Like I think it does matter. And the sharp objects thing is so interesting because it is so much it's got so yeah. much in common but Sharp Objects was a brilliant novel turned into a brilliant TV series and I think that is it does, that is a, that is the, the key difference because this is treading similar ground but is using real people for its storytelling and I'm really interested I'm really interested that the woman who wrote the original BuzzFeed article is is writing this as well and I wonder whether should that really shouldn't it have been someone else maybe mm. to come in you know and take that thing and turn it into something I don't know Yeah, I, I think it has issues is all I say. think people's pa- it, what it feels like is people's pain for pure entertainment yeah. I suppose sometimes we like to rationalise these things by being like you know there's a greater good in bringing these things to the fore of deba- revealing the truth or, or you know allowing certain things to no longer just be shameful and happen in secret and all these things but I don't feel that that's the no. case here and maybe those things are fig leaves we need to kind of allow ourselves to be able to watch these things and maybe that in and of itself is also bullshit but I think without that fig leaf of kind of any kind of morality or anything you're left with going this is pure pain for entertainment and is that okay? Yeah. Sure. I mainly just found it nasty. But, okay. <laughs> that is the act, uh, and this airs on Stars Play. You were genuinely, like, the thousand-yard stare you yeah, just had brilliant. was yeah. exceptional. Yeah. I had a very yeah. small glimmer into what it would be like to be married to you. <laughs> well, he talks bangs all about Alan Big Pentameter. Yes, exactly. Uh, if only the, we could get to the important stuff, Boyd. Yeah. <laughs> that is the act. It airs on Stars Play on Friday June the 14th at an unspecified time. <laughs> oh, because stuff arrives, doesn't yes, it? It's like yes, it's streamed. That's it's right. just there. It'll yeah. be there. It will just be there. Uh, also out this week is Wild Bill. 
quite possibly the most unlikely pitch for a TV show ever. Uh, this one stars Rob Lowe as an American cop who relocates to Lincolnshire to head up the local constabulary in the small port town of Boston. Hot Wikipedia fact for you guys. Boston's most notable landmark is St. Botolph's Church, known as The Stump, which is said to be the largest parish church in England. I'm surprised that wasn't in the opening few scenes where there's a lot of uh, quite um, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? dialogue explaining what's going on in the, yeah. in the locale. Well, as uh, Chief Constable Bill Hickson, uh, Lowe and his 14-year-old daughter hope to get away from their past but also clean up the Lincolnshire streets at the same time. Um, this, it's notable that this first episode features a decapitation and a car chase in a cabbage patch. This is essentially hot fuzz with Sam from the West Wing <laughs> minus the jokes. <laughs> Thoughts? Jokes. <laughs> well, I I happen to know what Terry thinks of this program. Oh, so do I. I, she, I witnessed it I live. Mean, just 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 to draw the veil from away. She did say what she thought in one of our WhatsApp group yep. discussions. Um, I watched it before I had that news, and I. Do you know what? I'm sorry. I I enjoyed it. Of course you fucking did. In the most like <laughs> obvious <laughs> thing to happen. <laughs> I mean, Go it's on. Why'd you like it? Come on. It's it's. It's a, it's. I think Rob Lowe's very enjoyable. In it. I think the cast is great. There's an extended ensemble cast of. So he arrives. I mean, it's clunky. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it, it's the pace is unbelievable. Like they're solving crimes like, like literally yeah. in about five seconds yeah. of each other. Um, the moments. So there are moments when like so when the head is cabinet heads are discovered in the in the in the fridge of some random person on the estate where another crime has just been solved. Yep. Like that whole scene is hilarious and preposterous and funny, but it's just entertaining. And not everything. So what I'm going to say is not everything has to be you know the greatest TV show ever. There are some shows that are just designed to be. Faintly amusing and entertaining. I'm being filmed doing this rant by Terry. Yeah. It's really unfair. <laughs> and um, and I think this achieved what it set out to do, which is to be a little bit quirky, a little bit weird, a little bit kind of, oh, you know, the, one of the stories about decapitated head. Um, uh, a, a, an enjoyable, entertaining ensemble. There's a lot, huge amount going on. There's like, they've clearly gathered, I think there's four writers writing this stuff and they've clearly like got some kind of writer's room and there's like about eight subplots going on with some rich Russian guy, um, a rich, other rich woman played by Rachel Sterling. Um, it's densely packed with entertaining things happening and I enjoyed it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it's a masterpiece, but it's perfectly entertaining. That was uh, Boyd Hilton for the defence. The prosecution were not allowed to call Terry Mad Dog White. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 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 First things first. Right. Okay. Classic fish out of water. Blah, 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 blah. What I will say is I don't fundamentally disagree with your point, Boyd, which is some shows are allowed to be stupid and deranged and entertained. I was not entertained. I was fundamentally irritated all the way through. <laughs> not least of all because... Um, it's got some of the most ridiculous northern accents I've ever heard. So there's a bit where they're talking about, he comes in and he's like, he's a guy from America who knows how to use technology. And a guy, a cynical northern police officer leaning against the wall goes, oh, well, bloody, uh, somebody is nicking all the bloody fucking satellite dishes off at roofs. What are you going to do with your laptop in that case, duck? I, 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 I mean, don't understand what's the problem. Literally ridiculous. Nobody. 
by the way, in Lincolnshire, talks like any character in this show. The crimes are ridiculous. The bit with a decapitated fridge is one of the <laughs> most... Decapitated oh, fridge. Decapitated fridge. <laughs> I mean, that would have been good. Oh, my God, the decapitated head in the fridge. It's one of the most surreal things I've seen on telly this year. There is a man singing... What was it? I want to know, um, know what love is, was it? Yeah, yeah so, you, so get, yeah. you hear this. I want to know what love is. He opened... He opens the door and there is a guy who is like the most cliche poor slash mad person you've ever seen. Like a crazy <laughs> rapsy Nesbitt in a vest with food stains singing I want to know what love is to a decapitated head in a fridge. Um, call it a spoiler, call it you want. It's, and then the somebody goes, oh, eh, he may be a nutter, but he's no murderer. I mean, I'm not the most PC girl in the world, but I don't think you can talk like that about this, mental illness. This whole thing is my understanding of what happens up north. And so. mad people don't sit and sing to decapitated heads in fridges. Like, I, I shouldn't yeah, have to say this. For 10 years as well, potentially. Did I understand that plot point right? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. well, it was 10, 10 years. years. It's been in his fridge for a decade. Time. So, I mean, I will say, I want to call out one person, Bron, okay. Bronwyn James, yes. who was in Harlots and the ABC yes. Murders. I think she She's is great. brilliant. Yeah. She's so great. She's the MVP. <laughs> she is. I loved her. Um, you know, he's got this daughter who's got these oversized glasses just to show that she's, like, intelligent but awkward. It's called Kelsey. It's called Kelsey, Kelsey which is, I mean, just... My sister's called Kelsey, oh, but there you go. Okay. But there's just... See, it's a perfectly good northern none name. Of, none of the <laughs> jokes... northern. No, none right, of the American. jokes really land. Like, the writing is, is quite uncomfortable. As you say, it's quite clunky. Or, you know... Which is a problem for me in my TV how, shows, boy. How can you not enjoy I'm just showing you a picture of this character, Oleg, who's the Russian, who's such a camp for it. Look at that Oleg Krasnov. I, I, Google, Google Alexander Yovanovitch. It's hilarious. I mean, look, it's just so ITV. <laughs> oh, that's Ooh. damning. Whoa. And, you know, it's got any... It could have been interesting. It's Brexit Britain. You've got this, like, suave, sophisticated, seemingly, you know, quite hardcore American coming in. I don't know. I mean, was I entertained kind of accidentally? Oh. I will say um, there was um, somebody we worked with on Pilot called Nana, and Nana says she's seen the first I mean, three... her name is Julie. But we call her, her Nana. Her name is not Nana. And Nana... Her name is Nana. And Nana said to me today that she's seen three episodes and episode two onwards is much better. So I'm only saying this from the perspective of having watched episode one, which is just nonsense. I thought it was weirdly... Funny enough, I thought it was interestingly slightly odd for ITV, actually. I thought it was kind of slightly weirdly not... I mean, I I think I know what you mean about that, but I think it was like... I didn't... It feels like something completely weird and odd. I mean, surreal. It was... It's one of the most surreal things. You know what? There's a hell of a lot of swearing in it. They're like, fuck this, fuck that, all the way through. I thought it was weird. I thought it was weirdly, yeah, kind of not an ITV mainstream You know what I mean, I know what you mean, yeah. But I think that's... But I think it's something different, and that's partly why I wasn't expecting it. It wasn't what I was expecting. Expecting, I think that's all I'd say. What yeah. were you expecting? I, I mean, don't I w- know. But it was like I was expecting the fish out of water American cop thing, yeah. But it's so much more than that. In a, yeah, you know, I'm not saying there are more layers. Yeah, in in a kind of I wouldn't. Would you say layers? Um, I mean, so to an extent, they're yeah. okay. strands. strands. Yeah, there are more strands. New, so I think I fall somewhere between the two of you. I recognise this isn't the best show ever, but I quite 
was quite entertained by it. I mean, I could watch Rob Lowe sort filing. Like, I think he's fantastic. Like, oh, Sam God, from the Westing, we he's amazing. Uh, and I think his you delivery is fantastic. What? Sort filing. Sort was maybe not the best What's example. sort filing? Yeah, what sort filing? <laughs> but filing, filing is... Why do you need the word yeah, sort? So what you're saying is I just use two verbs. Yes, and that's yes, yes I like, oh, It's like watching someone run jumping. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I, I could watch him puff, perform a mundane administration task. Yeah, you could watch him playing a fish out of water American cop in a... Yes. I could, um, yeah, I could watch him do yeah, basic yeah, life admin. As well, but, yeah. but, so he's really good. I, I enjoyed a number of the characters in it. I enjoyed a great many of them a, a lot less. Uh, the I, I thought it was a bit weird to use the car chase through the cabbage patch as a cold open and then go to a seven days earlier. You know, it's like yeah. in the nicest way, you can do that in CSI when someone's been like, you know, set on fire or thrown off a building. It's like he drove his car through a cabbage patch. This is not high drama. I don't think it's like, oh my God, I was going to turn this off, but I'm totally going to watch it now to see what happened with the cabbage patch. I mean, they've got to use these locations. There was a whole, I'm trying, really trying not to give away the um, the solution to the main crime, and I'm, when I won't, but it uses the thing, <laughs> it uses things in the landscape. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I could literally see the writer sitting in the room going, how about we do this with that? And how about we do that? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like yeah. they're throwing a lot. They have it. limited limited topography around the area to make interesting. See, clearly, they uh, missed a trip by not setting it in St. Botolph's Church, a.k.a. The Stump. Uh, but <laughs> that bit at the end where they stump. do use a bit of the, shall we say, Lincolnshire topography has some of the most egregious green screen. <laughs> I thought that it? took a lot was, out of that It scene. was ambitious. It the was. Climax, but on saying, an ITV budget, ill-conceived. I'm not giving it away. I'm just saying it's ambitious. I think the whole thing... You know what? I think what I was expecting... I was expecting it to be much more straightforward yes. crime drama, like yes. a broad church or another... Yes. Oh, that's yeah. what I was expecting. Yeah. And it's not that. No. no. I'm with you. And, and I have to say, like, the surrealism and the... I mean, some stuff is so bonkers. Right. And right. that, you know... Yeah. Maybe if you're kind I of into... The surprise element, I completely agree with you on because it isn't really taken seriously at all. Everything feels tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. It's got yeah, a playfulness. Right. Yes, that's what I guess. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. When so you, you have... embrace that or you... Yeah, or you yeah when you have a man... <laughs> covered in food, rocking backwards and forwards, singing, I want to know what love is while staring at a girl's head, then yes, I think at that point you go, this may not have been what we all thought we were getting. Either that or you know you're in the north. Oh, yeah. I mean, you probably thought this was an absolutely... It's a documentary, isn't it? Like, yeah. brilliant depiction of what it must be like to live in the north of England. Yeah. I mean, the, the accents. Any northern person listening to this is going to share my opinion it's... on... If you want to talk about fucking egregious or whatever that word is, then, like, the egregious accents. So you're saying written by Southerners for Southerners? I mean, it's written by Southerners and Americans. Yeah. Okay. That was Wild Bill, and this airs on ITV, shockingly, on uh, Wednesday, June the 12th at 9pm. Also out this week is Jessica Jones Season 3, which we didn't actually forget about, although we kind of did, but I didn't because I asked Netflix if I could see it. But turns out Netflix is so wildly apathetic about it at this point that it didn't even make the episodes available. So we haven't seen this it. This is just James's personal opinion. Yeah. It's not yes, the opinion this of... Not reflect of... official Netflix <laughs> yeah. policy, but my interpretation of this is that they, they give absolutely zero fucks and thus have not made the episodes available because they're just like, meh, whatever. We love you, Netflix. We do love Netflix. 
it's funny because someone tweeted me, Kieran Lee tweeted me a, a thing from Kaya Scodelario, the great um, actress, British actress, who is saying, Case Scodders. Here's a trailer showing my husband gets you off with Jessica Jones and I'm here for it. And she tweeted the, the link to the to the trailer. And Kieran said to me, not entirely under the radar, because I was saying last week how it felt yeah. completely. But I mean, you're right. It is, Netflix does it, washing their hands yeah. with the show. Well, I find it, it may strange. be brilliant. But I they're... find it strange because this show must have cost them a significant amount of money mm. to make. And I, and I think, you know, and it's your last one. Like, why, why wouldn't you make a meal of it and say, hey, it's the last, you know, make it, send it out with a bang, get I people know, to is, watch I it. I think that is weird. Because yeah. Jessica Jones was one of their best Marvel shows. And I think there's every possibility that this could be a genuinely great, yeah. albeit overly long and self-indulgent 13 episodes, as they all are. But, yeah. you know, I'm going to, honestly, I am going to watch the first few of these. And if it draws me in, I might watch all 13. But if it doesn't, then I won't. But uh, so so this does indeed drop on Friday, uh, Marvel's Jessica Jones. Um, and maybe, maybe, maybe watch it, because it could quite well be good. Uh, pick of the week, I think we can all agree, is Big Little Lies. Yes. 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 Absolutely essential viewing. Make sure you watch that. Now, <laughs> I think it's time to point out that we have had quite the landslide victory for hashtag Save Banshee over the past week. Uh, there was, I believe, uh, one bollocks to Banshee in my timeline <laughs> and many, many testimonials stating that not only do they love ba- the Banshee segment, but they'd also never heard of Marcella. Both of you, fuck off. Oh, God, uh, like four were. people. Yeah. So that is a great big fuck New you Zealand? on both counts, I think. Is there anything you have to say about your wrongness, Terry? Which is some sort of written apology, <laughs> you know, something heartfelt. Let's hear it. I would like to say that I've become incredibly disturbed by the number of people who seem to have uh, all come together in aid of the James Dyer fan club. <laughs> I'm I'm really like spun out by how many of your people are out there. Yeah, it's, it's a, a phenomenon. Is it, is it, is it troubling phenomenon. for it's you? It's a cult. Like, I can't <laughs> get my head around it. Like, I mean, but I have to say... Let's be honest, it was an overwhelming victory for the Banshee segment. There is still some disagreement about <laughs> what Banshee is. What the, rules. Of the, ba- the rules the of Banshee are still undefined, some may say. I mean, I did define them last week. I mean, and then broke them yourself immediately. <laughs> yeah. um, but there would appear to be an audience. Now, would you like a party? Would you like to be exempt from Banshee? Because I know you, you were saying that you didn't have shows you necessarily wanted to pull out and you ended up pulling out that ridiculous what was it what were the two characters from that show you didn't know <gasps> the name and tidy. of Neat and Tidy Neat, Neat like, and Tina Tidy but it wasn't called Neat and Tidy it was called it was else. called Grand Adventures in Bollocks or something yes. but I feel that when you are rolling out Neat and Tina Tidy <laughs> you have not only scraped the bottom of the barrel but you've burrowed somewhere close to the centre of the earth underneath the barrel are so, you saying that Banshee becomes James Dyer's yeah, so we've got funny system? we've got funny or Dyer <laughs> at the beginning which is a <laughs> franchise all about James Dyer yeah. are you now suggesting we close the pilot podcast each week with yeah, a basically. franchise that only James Dyer can partake in. Yeah. Exactly We're going to rename it you, Shows I, James Loves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, saying, you're basically encouraging Terry to bow out of a franchise. There's only three of us. I mean, you almost presumably me. Are no, you're, on. you're sticking oh, with this really? because you've got oh, all sorts okay. of shit. Well, he doesn't shit need you, boy. He's no. got himself. Can I just say, I want to shout out to Andy at 
Banshee on Twitter, who, t- who tweeted, it's a great section of the podcast, hashtag Save Banshee. I love hearing about the obscure shows that, that I've also seen, mainly Boyd Hilton's ones that he recommends. So um, stick that in your Yeah, someone else Banshee. pointed out, like, as if anyone's going to traipse down to some stupid shop and buy a manky secondhand DVD just because James tells them to. Also probably fair. Um, so so uh, would, do you have something to Banshee this week, Terry? Do you wish to continue? Do I fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're gonna we're gonna give Ter- Terry Terry will drop in and out of this segment as and when she chooses. That's where we'll go from now. Or you can just do what you've done so far, and Boyd and I will nominate stuff, and then you'll just rip them to shreds as we do so. Oh yes! Oh my god! Yes! Let's let's change the franchise. So you guys are pitching me okay. a banshee, and then I choose a winner, like a really shit dragon's den. Yes. Okay, we'll do this. Yes. However, this does fundamentally change one thing. You've actually got a fucking listen when okay, we talk I'm about listening. which you have never done. Today. I'm listening. All right. Boyd, do you want to go first? Have we actually done Rosemary in Time? I don't think so. What? I don't, right. I don't know what it is. Here so. we are. Oh, my God. Is this condiment-based? Rosemary and Time, inspired by Terry's choice last week, is all about the... What car- did I choose last week? You know, of that thing that... The, the, the Tina Tidy the thing. thing. Was it called Tidy and... I think that was the week Tina before, but sure. Yeah. Scott and Bill, Bailey. Bill Clean and <laughs> Jeff Tidy, whoever they were. Let's do Scott and Bailey. No, no, no. So... <laughs> <laughs> Pam Ferris is Laura Time. Felicity Kendall is Rosemary Boxer. Together they are Rosemary and Time gardening detectives. They are amateur detectives who investigate gardening-based crimes. And it was on ITV. It ran for three seasons. And it is still I show it on ITV 4 or 3, whichever that bloody channel is where they show old crime things. And it was incredibly ridiculous and silly, but brilliant at the same time. It's got Felicity Kendall. Pam Ferris. And Pam Ferris. Pam Ferris. Honestly, you're going to love it. Where the Heart Is yeah, was, was one of my favourites. It's literally just an excuse to show lots of uh, um, nice gardens and lovely gardening things. And people like fall off, fall off out of windows while looking <laughs> Garden. So they're like, who did that? Who pushed that person? It is absolutely extraordinary. There you go. All right, I'm down with that. That sounds good. Terry, that, Terry, you on board? Be that dire. I enjoy, I enjoy the um, the cast. I am a Pam Ferris fan, and I enjoyed Boyd's pitch. Thank you. Okay, James, it's your turn. Right this week, I want to talk about Third Watch. Deathly Silence. <laughs> all right, all right. going well. Let's go. Let's get. So this is a John Wells show from the nineties. It ran from nineteen ninety to two thousand and five, uh, and it focused on uh, the New York Emergency Services Third Watch. So it's like the shift between three and eleven p.m., aka when all the interesting and/or mental stuff happens. Uh, now, what I loved about this is it wasn't like a medical procedural or a police procedural. It was both with firefighters thrown in as well. <laughs> it's amazing. Like it's like a multi-procedural chimeric beast. Um, <laughs> but it but it was like part procedural, but it had uh it had it was balanced out with with uh it had standalones, but it also had these great character-driven sort of multi-episode arcs. Uh, and there was even a crossover episode with ER fact fans. Uh, what's interesting about this is so it started in 99. Can so you just say if fact without saying fact fans like a total spot oh i've got a fact for you fact fans just say the fucking fact okay that, was, that, so, is, that is very alan partridge you know, okay. okay so partridge free there was a crossover episode but that's not why it's interesting so what's interesting is so this starts you're you're the worst human being alive i am i am right shush pay attention 
So, what's interesting, so it started in 99, so this was in flow quite early on when 9-11 happened, okay? So, and so they were less with this thing. Do they continue the show? What are they doing? And they didn't shy away from this. They, they really leaned into it and they worked it into the fabric of the show. So not just the event of what 9-11 was, but the aftermath of it, how it affected the the characters and New York as a whole. And it's it's it was really powerful. I think it won awards for, for its treatment of that. Um, it was also very bloody and violent for a network show, which made it stand out. That and a banging theme tune from the Crystal Method. So, great cast of characters. You had Kim Raver, Body Cannavale, Michael Beach was in it, also in Sons of Anarchy. Uh, my favourites, though, were Jason Wiles, who played uh, Officer Maurice Bosco Boscarelli, and Skip Suddeth, who played John Sully Sullivan. And here's a fun fact, whether you're a fan of such things or not. It is still an ambition of mine to one day own two dogs preferably huskies, named Bosco and Sully, after those two characters. And that is actually true. And, okay, Terry's not impressed. This is this is like that bit, I've never seen Dragon's Den because I don't watch that bollocks, but I imagine this is the kind of face-on that they have when mm-hmm. they're being pitched some kind of weird finger cuff or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, to see yes, if people like this... Pam Ferris and Flick Kendall. <laughs> you can pick up the first season of Third Watch for £1.50. Although, weirdly, I had a look, and it seems that only the first two seasons are available to buy on my iTunes and stuff. So I think if you want to watch past that, you might be fucked. But, you know, you, you, can, you can watch some of it. I would declare that Boyd and Rosemary and Time is the inaugural winner. I feel, I feel a fix is in play here. I feel I could have pitched, I could have pitched like, okay, Third Watch, this is the latest show by Shane Meadows. It takes place in New York where a working class family, high on crack and on the poverty line, are run over by a garbage truck or something, and Terry would have still gone, Boyd wins. Bitter. This is the, do you know what I mean? Yeah. A speech of privilege. Yes. <laughs> because exactly. there is an assumption yeah. that he, he should win because it. he is yeah. used to getting everything he wants in life. Yeah. Completely. <sighs> You're sentenced to watching all three seasons of Rosemary and Time. Oh, good God. As long as I have to watch fucking Neat and Tina Tidy, fine. <laughs> And that is it for another instalment of the Pilot TV podcast. We do hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Do swing by iTunes and let us know what you think, as long as that takes the form of a five-star rating and not, not the one star that Ned1012 gave us because the audio was too compressed, even though he thought the content was good. Ned, seriously, one star, you liked the podcast. I mean, that's got a warrant three at least, surely, I would think. Anyway, I, I I cannot help noticing that Terry and Boyd uh, still have more Twitter followers than I do, so if you could all maybe do your best to address that by next week, that would be lovely as well. At James C. Dyer, thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back next week with another round of shows to blast at your eyeballs and, of course, another triumphant instalment of the universally acclaimed Banshee segment, the crowning jewel in the Pilot TV podcast. Isn't that right, Terry? Yes. Hashtag Banshee saved. <laughs> Pilot out.